This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you in just a moment, what's the first word that comes to your mind when I show you something, okay? So you, you do, do that, right? So what's the first word that comes to your mind when I show you this right here? So um, this is typically called a barn raising, right? It's coming up. So where are Oh, here it is right here. Okay. It's, oh, it's up there too. It's a barn raising, right? So I've, I've never like been to one or never really participated in one. I've only experienced it. But um, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see what? How many people are there? I don't know. I didn't even count them. There's a, like a boatload of people um, who are raising this barn. How many have heard of a barn raising? Let's start there. Okay, all right, you know. So people gather together, and like in just a very, very short time, this barn goes up. And I just think it's kind of incredible as I look at those people doing, you know, just this one thing and gathering together for one common goal. And I'm actually going to shut off before the barn is finished. But believe me, it's, it gets completed, okay? Because, you know, they wouldn't start it if they weren't going to finish it, right? And it wouldn't be a barn raising. So anyway, so just think about what's the first word that come to your mind, even online, put in chat area there, and you can just, you know, think about it. What, what, what do you think about? So, um, Let me offer some things that maybe come to your mind, okay? Number one is, what do we see here but people working together, right? I mean, that's obvious, people coming together, working together, you know, to to accomplish one thing. How about this? Maybe it takes takes a village. How many thought of of that? Anybody? No, okay, okay. one one person, okay. Um, it, it, It takes a village to do that. And then what you see coming together is various gifts and various talents all uniting um, for one purpose, that's to get this barn. Or maybe some of you thought of just one word, and that word is unity. Like what happens when people come together unified to do one thing? You see, what happens when we come together for one purpose, to serve Jesus as a, individually as, as, a faith, as a faith community? So I, I didn't know about a blog named uh, MeatballWiki.org. Did you? I didn't either, but it's called meatballwiki.org, referring to barn raising. Barn raising occurs when a community actively decides to come to the same place at the same time to help achieve some specific goal. Now, I don't want to divert too far here, but can you see where what happens when we come together, and you're going to hear about that next week, to accomplish a goal to reach others, unreached people group, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you see how God uses a community like, like us and others to do that very thing? Barn raising occurs when a community actively decides, makes that decision to come to the same place at the same time to help achieve some specific goal. It makes the impossible possible. It's pretty much impossible for one person to raise a barn. But what one can't do individually, a community can do. And we see that happening here. Thus, barn raising demands collaboration in a way that other activities do not. And that's what we saw. I don't want to talk about that that way because really, um, that's what Paul begins to really touch on a little bit here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Harry Truman said it this way, and it's a well, well-known quote. It's amazing what can be done when you don't care who, who gets the credit. Have you heard that? It's true, isn't it? It's amazing what can be done when we just don't care. Corollary to that principle is this. It's amazing what can be done when you don't care who gets the credit and each one works according to his or her talents or gifts. It's amazing what can get done when we all come together. Another principle, it takes everyone 
and every gift. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to see we're called to work together as co-laborers, recognizing our role as workers or servants while recognizing one very important thing. And it's a theme that I'm just going to hammer away today. And it says it's all about Jesus. It can only be about Jesus. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to read um, just verses 1, 1 through 9. Now, Paul is correcting the Corinthian church, and, and we need to talk about that for just a moment. He, he's correcting error and unhealthy living that was taking place. If you were here uh, last week, um, or a week before, Mario taught last week. It was great. You need to go watch it if you didn't. Um, he is correcting unhealthy living within the Corinthian church. And what has happened is thinking and, and, and cultural, uh, uh, cultural way of living culture has slipped into the church. And Paul's saying, no, no, you've got to stop. I'm going to bring correction to you. Now, let me ask this question. How many like to be corrected? Like nobody raises our hands, right? But do you know that that's the role of Scripture? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Like one of the roles is like it brings correction. So if we're, if we're doing this over here, walking this way, Scripture corrects us and says, no, stop doing that. Don't live that way. You live this way. And so this is what Paul is doing in, in, in the, the, his letter to the Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, just the first nine verses. Now, mine, I'm going to read it actually, but mine says divisions in the church on the heading. Not, not every Bible will have that heading, but that's mine because that's what Paul is addressing. So verse 1, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? Are you not being merely human? Who, what then is Apollos? What, what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, that's Paul, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's fields, God's building. Let's talk about it today. Paul is correcting some wrong thinking that he refers to as worldly type living and thinking. He begins to lay out some issues that are happening within the Corinthian church. It's pretty blunt teaching, and, and he's speaking to people that he refers to as like, you're basically, you're immature. Although I think it's interesting that he calls them brothers, meaning like there are people who are, are struggling, right? And, and, and as brothers, right, there were people who were in the family of God, but they're allowing certain things into their community that were not representative of God, of who Jesus is. And I think it's notable. He has concern. Um, he addresses them as people of flesh or infants, I think, is, is, is telling. So what, what's he saying? Simply this. There are some things in your community, there are some things in your life, this community of, of believers, 
that if others are looking in, here's what they're going to see. They're going to actually see worldly-type living. Just think about it. Um, There are people who are observing you, and in their observation, like, you're living out this faith in a way that Paul calls kind of this, it's, it's worldly. It lacks maturity. There are actions there that are not representative of a mature believer. What we might hear today, if people were looking in on a, any faith community, go like, well, um, if that's a Christian, I'm not sure I want to be one. Well, if, if that's a follower of Jesus, like, I, I yeah, I don't think I, I, I want that. That's what people might, might say today. So what are people, people seeing? We could sit on it for, for a while. He's saying that there's division in the church, and it shows, and it's, it's, it's it, um, finding its expression in a number of areas. Now, we could sit on that for a lot today and just ask ourselves this question, what will people see if they look in, let's just talk about Gateway because that's who we are, right? We're not talking about any other church. We're talking about us. What would people see as they observe you and me doing life together? Well, Paul says, here's what this division looks like, and let's just look at a, a couple of things. Number one, it looks like jealousy, and it looks like strife. I use the NLT ver- version as well. We read out of the ESV this morning, and some of you have the NLT and ESV and NASV and all that, but I think the NLT helps bring some clarity to um, the first three verses of this passage. Just let me read from there. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people or spiritually mature people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. In other words, the way that you're living it out, right? You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature. Aren't you living like the people of the world? So can you, can you see the correction that Paul is bringing? He's like, you need to stop doing that because that's not representative of Christ. That represents more like the world and start living out your life this way. There's another evidence of immaturity and division that Paul brings to the surface, and, and it really leads to what I want to focus on for the next uh, few minutes this morning is this, disunity around different roles and loyalty, and that, that was happening. Verse number four, for one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus. Aren't you merely being human? And here's what Paul is saying, and he's using himself, and he's using Apollos as example. He goes, look, here's the deal, man. You, you Corinthians here, um, you Corinthians have a distorted view of the Lord's work and how he works through others in different roles. So you're looking at this thing all, all wrong. And it was leading to division in the church. There was too much emphasis put on one person. Too much credit was, was given to this one, and it was being misplaced. Now, Paul was a powerful guy, right? I mean, like, if, if the Apostle Paul were to walk in here today, what would you do? Like, I would lose every one of you, right? And you would lose me because, like, I mean, like he, was, he was a powerful guy. And uh, you can understand how people would be following him. There was a natural leaning toward him. Now, Apollos, you know, that's not a name that, we, that maybe is so familiar with, too familiar with, with everybody. But we read about him in Acts chapter 18, um, verse 24. It says, now a Jew named Apollos, and this is what he says, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man. 
competent in the scriptures. So he, he had zeal for the Lord, and he had this talent for preaching. So you can see now people would follow him too. So Paul and, and, and Apollos. So, while grateful for the good news that resulted in salvation, there was a complete misunderstanding that these were instruments of God delivering the good news of the resurrected Christ. I follow him, I follow him, and it was a misfocus. Whoever they thought, whatever they thought of God's work, and whenever they thought of it in terms of belonging or following a particular servant of the Lord, Paul or Apollos, they were simply acting as a, on the human level and taking sides. And this is what we see in the world. Here's what it boils down to. It's a matter of focus, just as one thing. When you follow anyone or anything else other than Jesus, you are acting worldly. We have to be really careful that what we don't do is we go, okay, um, that's good, Paul. You were telling those Corinthian church, man, they really had it wrong. Without having our minds and having our hearts open to the Spirit of God that says, like, maybe there's correction in all of our lives. When you follow anyone or anything other than Jesus, you're acting worldly. So the question that comes to you and to me is this, who are we following? Who has our focus today? I want to give you just kind of what I call the big idea. And if you remember nothing else about what I've said today, just remember this little thing here. Resist the drift. Resist the drift. Re resist the drift or the pull to follow anyone or anything other than Jesus because it can sneak into your life and it can sneak into my life as well. So we have at Gateway a um, um, number of different ministries, right? So we have the church and, uh, and then we have our daycare, we have our preschool, and we have this campus here. Eagles Campus, and we have a Cross Point Campus down south. So every now and then, I try to get out amongst, um, you know, the daycare and the preschool from time to time and say hi to people and th that type of thing. So one day, I, I dropped into the daycare. And the daycare director um, kind of gathered the, the kids around, you know, and I, I got to try and illustrate this. So kids are gathered around, and she asked this question. Do you know who this is? pointing to me. And uh, I, this is how it worked, okay? You, it's got a visual. I, I got to try and show it to you this way because this is about how tall they are, right? Something like this, okay? And so they're looking up like that. And, and this little guy looks up. Daycare George says, oh, do you know who this is? And he looks up and he says, it's Jesus. I, I want to tell you that I corrected his thinking, but we'll just forget about that, okay? So, thank you. The boy, get, he gets extra lunch, okay, or something like that, you know. You see, people can begin to look at you and me, and we can begin to think wrongly. All of a sudden, our focus is shifted from the one who made you who you are today, a follower of Jesus. And so I, I want us to think about resisted drift this way, okay? i just give you three things. Number one, it's not about me. Not about me. And it's not about you either. Can you say that together? It's not about me. It's not about me. This is not about me. 
And I, and I just pray that if it ever becomes about me, God, bring correction to my life and in my life. It can never about be about me. But you know what? It can never be about we either. It's not about me and it's not about we. The moment we begin to lift up a community like Gateway, we begin to draw the focus to ourselves. God help us, I pray. Bring correction to us. Because it's not about me and it's, it's not about we. You know who it's about? There it is right there. It's about thee. It's about Jesus. And how we live and how we act and how we interact. It's not me. It's not we. It's about thee. It's about him. That's the only thing we have to offer to the world. Paul says this, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Paul, I planted. Apollos, he watered. God, he gave the growth. Yesterday we said goodbye to a team member here at Gateway, one of our volunteer team members, who lived this thing out so masterfully. A lot of you won't even know him. Many of you will. His name is Stan. Stan served on our community meals team. Stan was our dishwasher. Actually, I think Stan owned the dishwasher. <laughs> if he was here, you didn't get close to it. Um, it. That was Stan's ministry right there. But you know something? Stan was, it wasn't about him, and it wasn't about this. All he did, what he, he did what he did, just for this reason right here, because it was all about Jesus. That's all he lived for. He's blessed thousands of people that never knew that guy back there in the kitchen washing dishes. It's not about me. It's, it's not about we. It's about thee. It's about living out life for, for him. Let me say it this way. Sometimes we let personal preferences sit on top of a personal savior. And when it's personal preferences, this is where it begins about me and it begins about we and the focus is off of thee. Jesus. If you want to know what it looks like about me, I'll just toss out James 4 to you. You can read it later, James chapter 4, because that's what results in quarrels and all, all of these things. What does we look like if all we talk about is what gateway does and all we do is lift up we? Then we lose our focus on thee, on who Jesus is, and that's who we are called to focus on. That's who we are called to lift up. Verse number nine, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. When it becomes about thee, we steward what he has given us. This was the message behind the parables in Matthew chapter, chapter 25. So Paul's concluding um, with some very important thoughts. So let me toss them out to you. Number one, we are merely God's servants and we are really nothing in that we cannot ourselves produce any spiritual results. It's only God who can do that. It's only him. You can do it. I can do it. It's the spirit of God that does this one thing. So how can I individually serve him? How can I serve him as, a, as an individual? How can I individually live out my gifts? We are merely God's servants. But when we come together and we focus on Jesus, it's about thee. What can't we do? 
Secondly, together we are really one, committed to the one, capital O, and united in God's work. So how can we live this out with our focus on, on Jesus? And finally, we are one in the work, but accountable to God in his work. This is God's work. But he uses different people, and he uses different gifts and personalities to build his kingdom. We are called as co-workers to join Jesus in building in the building of his kingdom, and the foundational call is Matthew chapter 28. It's the great commandment, right? It's the mandate that we live under. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This word go, go and make disciples, literally means in your everyday life, as we live and as we breathe, it's in your going. It's every day. So I, I just have, just going to challenge you with just one, this, this one thing. Paul says you're God's field. You're the one that he's working in and through. You, you belong to him. So what if this barn raising showing up event, what if this showing up event in your life and in my life became our everyday we rise event? What if we view showing up to the barn raising or doing life event as our everyday we rise event. What if we do that? What if we hit the floor in the morning or when we head out these doors and say, hey, what can I do right now today to, to, to lift up Jesus? Like, it's how I'm going to live out this gospel. It's my showing up event. And as we do that individually, as we do that as a community, as Jesus is lifted up, guess what? People are drawn to him. Not drawn to you. They're not drawn to me. They're not drawn to Gateway. They're drawn to who Jesus is. Pastor Choco, who is a, he's a, a leader in the Assemblies of God denomination, he said something the other day that just challenged me. And it was, maybe it will bring correction to some of us. Here it is. I'll read it two times. In every interaction you have, God's reputation is at stake. And your heart and actions display his character or not. I'm going to read it again because I, I in every interaction you have, God's reputation is at stake in your heart, in your actions display his character or not. And I received that correction. I'm going to give you some intentional living out ideas to resist the drift. Be sure we're making this about Jesus and not about me or we. What about thee? Give you some ideas to intentionally live this out in your barn raising event, your, your everyday rising event. Here you go. What phone call can you make today or not make? What text can you send today or not send? How, uh, don't, you, don't, you don't have to answer this. How many... I may have sent out a text and you just wish, is there a way to get that back? What attitude change can you make today? How can you live out this life as a co-worker, co-labor in the kingdom of God? And that really dovetails number five. How can we be involved in what God is doing today? How can we do that? I think we can do that if we begin to view our everyday life as an everyday opportunity. Every time we rise, event. I think we can. And we can resist the drift 
from this being about my personal preferences or my personal Savior. It's not about this. It's about this. What if we as a community just joined in that? The focus was on him and nothing else. What if we did that? We're going to gather around the table this morning and on, online. You can grab something, no matter, grab water or whatever. Um, this is about thee. Aren't you thankful it wasn't about me? Because we couldn't do it. And you know, honestly, for, for some, maybe, maybe you're trapped in this thinking, like you're trying to make it about me. You're trying to make it about what you can do to kind of to earn him. And Jesus says, there's nothing you can do. The Bible says, nothing, you don't earn him. It's by faith. It's about thee. And so we're going to gather around the table and we're going to give him thanks for his broken body that was broken so that we could be made whole in every way, spiritually and physically, emotionally. So what, what, what need do you have right now? Because Jesus is the, is the one who can meet each and every need. And then we're going to join in the cup together and celebrate thee, what he has done for you and for me. And then we get to live this life out together. Let's take the bread, shall we, and say, Father, we just pause and give thanks this morning for your broken body. It's broken for each and every one of us that we might be made whole in, in every way. So we lift up our needs to you today, spiritual needs, physical needs, emotional needs, financial needs, whatever they are. God, you're the God who heals. You're the God who brings wholeness. And so we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread, shall we? The cup just represents his sacrifice. Nothing that we could have ever done it's about thee. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood. We thank you for Calvary. We thank you that you have called us to put our faith and trust in you. You've called us away from what we can do because you can't do it. We can never work our way into a relationship with you or work our way into heaven. It's all about you. It's not me. It's not we. It's you. So we just pause and say thank you for that. As we take the cup again today, Lord, I would pray that each of us would be reminded again of the deep, deep love that you have for each and every one of us. You died for the whole world, but you did so one person at a time. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the cup together, shall we? And let's just take a moment just in our own way to just thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for walking with us each and every day of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.